Body Podcast. My name is Natasha Collins and I am the host and I'm the founder of NC Real Estate, which includes its members club for landlords and property investors to come and build profitable property portfolios that completely align with their goals. If you haven't yet come over to my website, you need to www.ncrealestate.co.uk or ncrealestate.co.uk. Type that in, it will come up. Once you get there, you'll see a pop-up appear on your screen, which is what type of property should you buy next? You wanna take that quiz so that you can find out what property you should be aiming for. And really appropriate if you're listening to this podcast because this is a really great place to start. So this week, I'm gonna be going through where to start. When you join my Facebook group, Property Investment Mastery, you get asked the question, what are you struggling with most right now in your property investment journey? And I get loads and loads and loads of comments. And a lot of it is where to start with. And then I get a phrase or a comment afterwards. So this podcast is where to start dot dot dot. Let me take you through some of the places that you can start based upon the questions that you have given me. So the first thing is where to start because you don't know where to start with low capital. This is a great question. A lot of people come to me and say, hey Natasha, I want to get into property investment. I have no money. Let me tell you a great story of something that has just happened to me and I'm very excited about it. So uh, about 18 months ago, I put some of my money into a crowdfunding project in um, in Stourbridge, just outside Birmingham. It was on an 18% return and it was a pub to, de- to resi development. And so they had put this project on a peer-to-peer lending site called Future Bricks. Now I've spoken a lot about Future Bricks, mainly because I get on with the owner of Future Bricks so well. Um, Aya is lovely. This isn't a paid podcast. I'm just telling you the story of, of what happened. So she said to me, Natasha, you might want to invest in this project. It's paying out at 18% per annum. I was like, wow, okay. Do you know what? It's worth a punt. I'll put some money into this project. So I put just a little bit of money. It was about a thousand pounds into this project and thinking 18% is really, really risky, but why not give it a go? A thousand pounds, if I lose it, okay, I'd be able to make that back pretty easily. And I know for some people, a thousand pounds is a lot of money. I'm just saying that my mindset is that I'd be able to get to make that back so I wouldn't lose sleep at night if that happened, right? So I've changed it from a scarcity mindset to a abundant mindset. Anyway, just this week, that a thousand pounds at 18% per year paid out. Very nice too. Got me a beautiful new bathroom in one of my flats. It was a great investment and such a small amount to start with. But over the 18 months, that's made 18% in year one and then 9% in year two. Perfect. You wouldn't even normally get that on a regular property investment. So that was that's a good place to start if you have low capital and you don't have to invest for 18 months. There's projects that come out 
just for six months or there's projects that come out for 12 months. So if you really are starting with super, 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 super low capital, I mean 500 pounds, 1,000 pounds, that is a really good place to start. Yes, it's risky. If the project doesn't go right or it doesn't pay, it folds, then you, you lose your money. So always make sure that you are checking out what the project is and if it's something you'd want to invest in, know the risks. But I put that I was investing in this 18% deal back when I first did and I got absolutely trolled on social media. You're stupid, don't invest in this. Well, sucks to be you guys if you don't want to do it because I just made money on it. <laughs> so <laughs> that's where I would start if I had really low capital because the other thing is it gets you used to doing your due diligence on these on these projects and there's so much information on the websites about what this site is going to do what you should be doing with it um all of the deal analysis so you can get used to going through that and get a feel for if it's the sort of deal you want to so as you progress and you get more money you then start thinking well I could go out and do this on my own and you may even decide that you want to go back to that peer-to-peer -peer lender where you have invested your money and say, hey, would you pack a, back a deal that I'm getting involved in? If you have maybe 20 to 30,000 pounds, then I would look at maybe more of a, a property purchase uh, in a, a cheaper area of the country. So we're 20 to 30,000 pounds. You could buy anything between £60,000 and £100,000 and be looking at getting anywhere of a rental income between £450 to £600 per calendar month. So if you've got that kind of money, then start looking in Sheffield, Liverpool, Manchester, Stoke. Manchester's a little bit more expensive now, but those would be places that you could start investing in. So if you really don't have that much money, you have, say, £500 to a couple of thousand pounds, have a look and see if peer-to-peer -peer lending is right for you. If you have 20 to 30,000 pounds, then you can start investing in properties. Try and invest in something that needs a little bit more modernization so that you can increase the value of that pretty quickly. I get it, those properties come on the market, they get snapped up, but we're in a market at the moment where property investors are trying to get rid of their rubbish stock because they're getting taxed highly on it. There's a lot more legislation. So if you're in it for a bit of a more meaty project, then that would be something that you could buy up and learn from it as you go. But always be prepared that if you are going to be buying a cheaper property because it needs work, you have to do the work. You do have to do the work to it. You cannot just let out rubbishy properties. Please don't let out rubbishy properties you have to be providing safe, comfortable accommodation. I will always shout that from the rooftops until I'm blue in the face. Never ever just decide it's okay to, to rent out substandard accommodation. That's not cool, it's not okay, it's not ethical. It says something about you, don't do it. Just, just know that if you're buying a property that needs modernization, you're gonna have to have a bit of money set aside to do the moder modernization. But with 20 to 30,000 pounds, you should have that. So I hope that answers your question. Next up, where, should, where to start with deciding what strategy I should focus on? Good question. There are so many strategies out there. You must see Facebook ads about it. You must be in different property investment groups thinking, 
well, someone said to me rent to rent. Someone said to me lease options. Someone said to me HMO. Someone said to me serviced accommodation. On a members club live drop-in session that I hosted last night, we were talking about this and the members were actually advising each other that the way that they have focused and done incredibly well, we've I've got one investor there who's got 100 or so properties, another one with 10 properties, another one with the 20 property range. They have just focused on one strategy and the strategy that excites them, not the strategy that someone else has told you to do. A lot of people come to me about rent to rent. Again, I don't do rent to rent. The RICS don't, do not see it as a strategy that I can look at and quite frankly I believe that if you are doing rent to rent you should at least be accredited with the RICS or ARLA because you are essentially property managing a property and you need to do that well. Goes back to the other uh, comment that I made just a few minutes ago please don't be putting substandard accommodation on the market it is unethical and you should be ashamed of yourself. That comes from me. (laughs) I'm not here to lecture anybody though if you've you know, always do your best. So really you need to decide on a strategy that excites you. There would be absolutely no point in buying a property or going forward with spending money that you just do not care about. If you listened to last week's podcast episode where I was getting super excited that I just completed on a property, it's because I care so damn deeply about buying that property it excites me it's been on my goals board for years since about 2015 you know so that is exciting for me because it forms part of my strategy and you know then I'm prepared to go for it if you look at something you're like meh I don't really care HMOs seem like they're going to be a waste of my time residential buy select doesn't really make enough income well you're not going to focus on any strategy I would really sit back and look at my goals For me, my next, I'm moving now into commercial strategy. I'm not going to be buying as many residential commercial as my jam. I love it. I get very excited by it because I like the strategy. I like the lease advisory stuff. I don't really have to be on the ground at all. Everything is to do with lease advisory um, and the strategy around what lease terms I'm negotiating. That for me works phenomenally well. So that's where I'm moving towards. But for you, you might think, okay, well, I actually want to be a decent landlord. I like the idea of just one set of tenants in each property. I'm going to be quite hands-on, so I'll be managing it myself. And then you decide, okay, well, I want a two up, two down, bog standard property with parking and a garden. And I want to let that out for £600 per calendar month. Fantastic. If that is something that really excites you and gets you going, great go for it. That should be your strategy. And then you'd be looking at somewhere like Stoke or you'd be looking at somewhere like Liverpool to buy. But if you then say, no, I want to get far more hands-on. I want to provide beautiful accommodation for multiple tenants. Then great. I would go for HMOs and I would go in there and decorate the HMOs and furnish it beautifully and use lots of great colours and be all overexcited about that. Or if you think, oh, I really love traveling. I like staying in new accommodation. I like the idea of Airbnb. I like providing quirky, unusual, great quality accommodation. Then make serviced accommodation part of your strategy. 
I can't give you a definite strategy. What I can do is tell you to think about what you enjoy and how much time you have. Because if you really are time constrained, you don't have evenings, you don't have weekends, you're not interested in going and viewing properties, well, you're gonna have to look at investing closer to home. And then you're going to have to look at what do you need to be getting income wise so that you can also afford to outsource the management to a property manager. Do you see there's so many different factors? So I want you to brainstorm it. The very first thing that you should do when you're deciding what strategy you should focus on brainstorm, sit down, get your notebook out, get a blank piece of paper. Um, and you know, I love a good sticky note. So I write things all over sticky notes. Doesn't have to be you if that's not what you like to do. But decide on what you enjoy. What about property investing do you think is the thing that excites you most? Yes, we all talk about money, but property investment is far more than money. There's a lot that has to go into it. So put the money aside, kind of lift it out of your head and park it, then write down everything that you want to get out of being a property investor, what you enjoy doing, what you'd like to get stuck in on, and that's what would form part of your strategy. The next, next up, where to start keeping focused and raising finance. Interesting. Okay, so for me, when I keep focused, I'm focusing on a property, not raising money because I cannot raise money if I don't have a goal to spend that money on. There's nothing, there is no incentive for me to go out there and find the money. So I roll reverse it. The very first thing I do is I find a great deal a deal that I would lose sleep over if I didn't buy it, that kind of thing. You know, the sort of thing that I know that in 10 years time, I'd look back on it and I'd regret it if I didn't find that, if I didn't buy that property. So once I've found that property, then it's a non-negotiable about buying it. I have to figure out a solution to buying it, whether I've got the money in the bank or not. So the next thing is finding uh, longer term finance if that's what you're going to do so getting a mortgage in place and seeing what kind of lending you can get and trying to maximize out on that seeing if there's any other assets that you can use to uh, to for the lender to borrow on as well so that you can bring down the amount of deposit that you need and then once I've explored all of those options from there that's when I'm left with the chunk of money that I need to go out and find. So from that, I work out, well, if I borrow this sum of money, how am I gonna repay it? And how much interest can I afford to give the investor for the time that I'm borrowing the money? So you need to work out how long you need to borrow the money for, how you're going to repay the money and what interest you're going to be giving. And then I would focus on the fact that you are going to be offering someone an investment with returns and go out and start talking to as many people as possible. The focus is that you have this deal that will give you sleepless nights and make you feel such regret if you can't go through with it. And that's the focus. So then that should start giving you the direction for going and finding the rest of that money. So that's how I would keep focused on raising finance. Next up, where to start with having a power team or finding a power team? Oh, good question. My power team are second to none. I have Nishita, my solicitor, who 
I love to pieces but also gives me her honest opinion about absolutely everything tells me if I'm wasting my time or tells me if um uh, something is going to work really really well and she gives me encouragement when I'm feeling a bit uncertain about things or she says yeah you're right stop and I've worked with Nishita for seven or eight years years and years and years um not only is she my solicitor but she was the solicitor for some of my really big clients as well so we've always had that relationship where I have to turn things around really quickly for her she does the same for me and we have that trust we also really enjoy a good glass of wine together we get on like a house on fire and she's not the cheapest solicitor in the world, but I don't care. The trust is so important. So you need to go out of your way to find a solicitor like that. Now, maybe it is Nishita, maybe it's not. Maybe you have a different solicitor that you get on with like a house on fire, but they have got to be the sort of person you pick up the phone, you can ask them anything. So do find that because your solicitor is going to be with you throughout your property investment journey they are going to be there when a tenant doesn't play ball they're going to be there when you have any disputes they are going to be there to pick you up when things go wrong next up you need a really good mortgage broker um, at the moment I'm using Josh who was on my podcast maybe about a month or two ago from the mortgage advice bureau um, he's a new mortgage broker but he he has seriously worked with me on finding good finance, making sure that I'm getting the best deals, putting in place finance options for the next five years. You need someone like that that you can talk to. If your broker is someone, again, you can pick up the phone to or just send a quick email, then that is great. And look, you should be paying your mortgage broker because they are working for you. I know a lot of people will say, Natasha, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't pay them for, for this or I wouldn't pay them for that. Okay, well, fine, but you need to value someone enough to want to give them money. Right? If you don't if you don't value someone and you don't want to pay for their time, but you're more than happy to take their advice, it's pretty disrespectful. So if you value someone enough to trust them and trust their advice, then you should be paying something because that's an energy exchange. They're giving you their best advice, you're giving them money to have a roof over their head life is good so with a mortgage broker you do need someone on side who's going to go out and look for you my my mortgage broker has actually changed over time and that's absolutely fine um next up is having a really good accountant your accountant is going to guide you on um how you hold your properties they're of course going to do your end of year tax returns my accountant's on a retainer for the year so i can always get in contact with them whenever i need to He's so honest with me about things. He'll say, Natasha, yeah, I think this is a good idea. Natasha, stop worrying about paying tax. Um, you're doing just fine. Financially, you're doing just fine. That for me is the most reassuring thing I could ever possibly hear because I am a money warrior. I really do worry about money. Even if I have money coming in, which I always do, touch wood, um, I still manage to worry about it because there has been times in my past when I've had absolutely nothing. So it's really reassuring to have someone there who knows my accounting in and out, um, who can advise me on the best way of doing things and will always give me an encouraging push forward and say, do you know what, you're doing fine. Like everything is cool. So those are the three people on my power team that I rely on 
the most. Aside from that, I have maintenance contractors, but you can find them pretty easily um, if you start asking around your local area. Um, and I have managing agents in London. I have managing agents in Bath that I use from time to time. I switch that up as well. So my three core people on my power team are my solicitor, accountant and mortgage broker. Those are the people that you really, really need. Finally, how do you start growing a credible investor list? Good question. A credible investor list takes time because you're building that trust. You don't just all of a sudden get someone's details and be like, yeah, they're gonna lend to me or yeah, I'm gonna be able to give them deals. Ah, you need to show them things over time. I would network as much as possible, talk to as many people as possible, build up really, really good relationships with people because then they recommend you to other people. Know that you are gonna get no's and turn down and people aren't always going to be nice to you. I do get trolled sometimes. It, I try, if I don't know the person, like there's no taking it personally or anything. I don't, just don't care. I let it go of my head. Um, Know that not everybody is gonna be in agreement with what you're asking for or the deals that you're doing. That's okay. Everybody is individual. You need to find the people who do support you, who do want to work with you. But here's the other side of that. You have to give them your all. If they are going to be investing with you, whether that's giving you money or buying your deals, you have to give them the respect of working hard with the resources that they give you. So once you can start demonstrating that, that's where you grow a credible investor list. But again, it's just about volume, talking to as many people as possible, getting your stuff in front of as many people as possible and a credible investor list will come. So I hope that's been useful, the where to start journey. I've answered some great questions there and I hope it's given you some insight into um, where to start with these things. In the beginning of any journey, it's slow, it can be painful, it can be frustrating. Things seem to go wrong more than they do go, they, do go right but I have a quote on my wall that says every little piece of action is a seed that you've sown you may not see the shoots come up immediately but over time they start to appear so every bit of action is giving you something it's that little sprinkling where someone else might see something or something might move forward and you don't know that that's happening in the background because we can't all see the impact that we're having on someone all of the time. You know, I may put this out this week, this podcast out this week and you don't get it for another six, eight months, maybe a year, maybe two years. But I've left this bit of information out there for you in the hope that you get something amazing from it. And I just know in my heart that at some point you listening to this have found this and are now going to take that away and do something amazing with it. But I don't know that on the day that I'm recording it, where this is going to go. You've just sometimes got to trust in the process and that knowing that whilst you're working towards something and you are actively working towards something and you've got the intention behind it, things will start to happen. 
So use the ideas and the information I've given you in this podcast to not just start asking where to start, but to actually get started. Because by getting started, that's how you're going to start making progress. So I hope this podcast has been useful for you. Please, please, please don't forget to subscribe. Leave me a good review. That really helps me. And it is really, really helpful to see your support for this podcast. Honestly, it makes such a difference. Thank you so much for listening to me today. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.